For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe O'Rico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. I've been saying it all season long, but I really recommend you guys go and check out EthosFantasyBB. We post all of our new podcasts, articles, different news and notes from our writers, different polls we have up sharing out some content from the other divisions at Sports Ethos as well. It's a really great page where you get all of our baseball content. So go check it out. Go drop us a follow. If you're not somebody who uses Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called nowadays, go to sportsethos.com and you get all that same content under the MLB tab. Today we are going to be talking about some news and notes over the weekend and stuff that's happened over the last couple days. And we're also going to talk about a player that I think deserves some recognition uh, for how he's done, specifically over the last month, but really this whole season as well. But let's start off with Shane Bieber. We don't usually get great news when we go through the news of the day. It's not, it's not usually great, and this one is not particularly fond news either. Uh, Shane Bieber was transferred to the 60-day IL today. He's going to be out until September. The earliest that he can be activated is September the 10th. So... Goodbye, Shane Bieber, right? If you're in most head-to-head leagues the last week, I mean, it really depends. Um, But we're talking like another eight weeks or so of the fantasy season. There's not really going to be much time left for him to really do much for you at all this season, assuming he's able to even come back. I'm just looking at my head-to-head leagues. The last week of the regular season before the playoffs start is the week that ends September the 3rd. So in your standard head-to-head league, he's not even going to be eligible to return until the fantasy playoffs. And then you have the whole ramp-up period. And maybe he'll ramp up during those during that period before we hit September the 10th. But it's not like Shane Bieber was you know a world beater this season before he went down, somebody that you know, need to hang on to. I would advocate towards cutting him in every format at this point. I mean, I guess, sure, the, the old argument that if you have unlimited IL spots, then hell, it doesn't hurt to hold them. But most leagues that I play, I don't play in a single league with unlimited IL. I know some people do. Most of mine are fairly finite between two and four IL spots. Some of them, if you're playing on the NFBC, you have zero. Shane Bieber is likely to get cut. It's funny. I almost bid on him last night in a couple of leagues just as like a $1 kind of bid just to see, you know, I didn't have high expectations and I didn't even end up doing it. Thank God I didn't. Uh, But I thought maybe, you know, you throw a buck or two at him. Maybe he's able to come back and give you some decent innings down the stretch. And 15-teamers, there's really not that many options. But at this point, you got to look at the trajectory of what he's done over the last couple of seasons. He's gotten worse and worse every year. And I know last the last year, the year before that, they were really good. But it has still been a downward trajectory for Shane Bieber. Going back to that Cy Young season, ever since the 2020 season, 
the strikeout rate has gone down. The velocity has gone down. Like, let's just look at the strikeout rate year after year, starting in the Cy Young season, which was 2020. He had a 41.1% strikeout rate. That's Spencer Strider-esque. That is elite. That might even be higher than Strider this season. I don't have Strider. Let me actually pull that up because that's a good little just, you know, gives you an idea of how good Shane Bieber was in 2020, if you're forgetting. Uh, let's see Strider. So Strider this year is striking out 39.7% of batters. Bieber is striking out 2% higher. At that range, you're adding a percent. You're adding 0.1 of a percent to the strikeout rate. Uh, it's very impressive. But 41.1% that season. 2021, it came down rather drastically, but it was still 33% his strikeout rate. So you're thinking, okay, 41% is fairly unsustainable if you're able to you know, still give me above 30. And hell, a 33% strikeout rate is still among the top you know, five pitchers in baseball generally, maybe even the top two or three. I'm not looking at the leaderboards for 2021, but still a great strikeout rate nonetheless. You go ahead to 2022, and it's down to 25%. And then you're getting to the point of, okay, still above league average, but we've dropped 15% within a matter of two years on the strikeout rate. Not good. Now, the results were always still pretty good there. Even after, you know, 2020, it was 163 ERA, 204 XFIP, 207 FIP. It was amazing. 2021, he had a 317 ERA. The indicators were still very good, but it was, you know, definitely not a 163 ERA kind of season. He was definitely not as good as he was during his Cy Young year. Now, last season, Bieber gave you a 288 ERA, a 299 or 298 XFIP, still doing really well even with the strikeout rate coming down. So he did kind of give this uh, weird vibe to people who, like myself, make rankings before the season, trying to figure out where exactly to slot in Shane Bieber. To go along with the declining strikeout rate, the average fastball velocity. In 2020, it was 94, 94.2. I should be specific here. Then in 2021, it was 92.8. And then the last two seasons, we've been about 91 averaging with his fastball, down three miles an hour on average from where we were during his Cy Young season. It's not just the fastball either. The cutter, gone from 89 down to about 86. The curveball from just below 84 to about 82.5. The changeup from 88.8 down to 87.3. Everything is a little bit slower across the board. Now we get to this season. So the 41 to 33 to 25% strikeout rate, this year it's down to 19.4. And you can also get a good picture looking at the strikeout minus walk rates. 34 to 25 to 20 to 12.7. There's just been something that hasn't been there for Shane Bieber. Now, for what it's worth, he still gave you a 377 ERA this season, a 408 XFIP. He was still not terrible, but... You know, the skills have been declining. The velocity has been declining. The strikeout rate have been declining now for the last several seasons. He's had shoulder problems for a couple of years now. Now they weren't too serious. Now it's shoulder and elbow. Now the shoulder, I don't think, is really the thing that is hindering him that much anymore. That was the concern, like, heading into last year. I remember actually the first ever podcast I did uh, with a guest was with Ryan Bloomfield of Baseball HQ, who has since become a very good friend over the last couple of years. If you go back and listen to the very first guest episode, which would have been last March, I guess, we were talking about Shane Bieber for 2022 and very, very concerned about projecting his skills for that season because of everything we've talked about here to go along with the shoulder problem. Now we have elbow, I'm not, I think it's just elbow inflammation because I don't know that we've actually had a specific injury. Yeah, it's just inflammation. There's no actual tear necessarily or a ligament that's damaged, or anything like that that we've heard. It's just inflamed. But regardless, for this season, for, for dynasty purposes, it's hard to view Shane Bieber in a positive lens. This season in particular, it's done. Uh, but it's kind of interesting to look at him and project forward for the next couple of seasons. He's only 28. 
it might surprise some people to hear that Shane Bieber's only 28 years old. He just turned 28 on uh, May 31st. So it's, he's still very young. There's still potential for him to possibly come back and have a great career. Hell, he has a 326 ERA through 130 career starts. We're, all, we're at 820 career innings. He's a very good pitcher. But going forward, with the injury concerns with his shoulder, with his elbow, with the strikeout rate and the velocity declining these last several seasons, it's really hard to project him as anything spectacular for the next couple of seasons. For this year, he's an absolute drop. He's still on 94% of Yahoo rosters. It's gone down from 95 when I checked a few minutes ago. People are going to start dropping him. Even in those keeper leagues, it's going to be a very tough question. You know, If you have a finite number of keepers, let's say you have seven or eight keepers, is Shane Bieber going to be among them? I'd say likely not in a lot of cases. If you're talking like a 15-team league or deeper and you got seven or eight keepers, maybe he still fits in there. But, you know, if you're in your standard 12-team league, 10-team league, even if it's a 15-team league that has not like Roto-style roster positions, if we're talking, you know, first, second, third, short, three outfielders, eight pitching slots or whatever it is, I don't know that Shane Bieber is going to cut it for you in those kind of situations. I just really, there's no positive outlook for him at the moment. He was somebody that was a potential trade candidate earlier in the year. People were talking about, and I, they can't trade him now. I just don't really know what the plan is going to be here for him. I believe that he's a free agent after this season. No, no, sorry, he's not. Uh, arbitration, and then I think it's free agent after next year. But I'm really not sure what the Guardians are going to be doing with Shane Bieber at this point. I would imagine that he's probably shut down for the year. Now, if we get to the point where... It is time for him to return. It's the middle of September, and they're still kind of pushing for the playoffs. Then maybe they're three back in the division right now, and they're currently five and a half back of the wild card. I don't see them getting the wild card, just seeing the competition that they have there. I feel like Toronto, Houston, and Tampa, whether it remains Tampa or Baltimore, however that ends up working out in the American League East, I think that those three spots are fairly solidified for the playoffs. Not still a long way to go, but... I don't see Cleveland jumping any of those teams. Maybe they jump the Twins for the division. But that road is going to be a lot harder now without Bieber. Even though Bieber hadn't been so great, you're still missing out on a guy who can give you excellent starts. You know, it was just about a month ago when he gave you seven shutout against Houston. You know, he's done it a few times this season where there's been brilliant starts. There's been a few bad ones as well. Uh, but I don't see Cleveland doing much over the next couple months to get to the point where they are going to be rushing Bieber back in any sense. I think that he's playing for next year at this point, if not for, I don't know, not the year after necessarily. I don't really know what the offseason is going to look like for Bieber. If he does end up needing a surgery, whatever is going to happen, I, I really don't know. Uh, but what we do know for right now is that Shane Bieber <clears throat> has to be dropped in redraft leagues. There is no point in hanging on. I mean, like I said earlier, if you have unlimited IL spots and they don't really matter to you, you can put in as many guys as you want there. Sure. Then there's no problem with holding on for a little bit and maybe you get some positive news. As long as you're not sacrificing other players on your roster or even the injured list at this point for Shane Bieber, then I think it's fine. But 99% of leagues, you're going to be dropping Shane Bieber, whether it's today, whether it's on Sunday night, come fab in the NFBC uh, he's going to be dropped, and he needs to be dropped in a lot more leagues, and he's probably going to be because there will be people who will be like, ah, you know, September 10th, there's still almost a month left in the season. There's a chance that he comes back, and for the playoffs, he's a stud, but whatever, people will bullshit themselves into thinking that he can come back and actually do something for you this season. I really doubt it. I think that he's somebody that you can fairly happily uh, let go in a lot of different cases. But let's move on from Shane Bieber, and let's talk about something that's kind of interesting here. And it is Jonathan India apparently being shopped by the Cincinnati Reds in order to try and get a pitcher 
back. That is what the reports are that we saw today, that Jonathan India will be shopped. Now, <clears throat> I think if you are Cincinnati, you're probably kicking yourself for trading Luis Castillo last season. Uh, I, You know, they're... <clears throat> excuse me, well, every now and then, something uh, gets caught in the throat there. Pardon me, guys. Um, I think they're probably kicking themselves for trading Luis Castillo because now they need pitching. Now they are in maybe not desperate need, but they, they're not in a great spot with their starting rotation at this point. They need pitching. They have Andrew Abbott, who is a stud. Andrew Abbott I love, but he's also you know maybe been a little bit lucky. Maybe we can't project him to be a number one starter in the postseason in his first year. Uh, I think that's <clears throat> fairly obvious that he's not going to be that good. I mean, he has been good enough to get them by here as kind of their ace for right now because Hunter Green is injured, Lodolo's been out, Ashcraft has been good recently, but he's not really somebody you can rely on as an ace. They do need to add a pitcher, and I think if they had Luis Castillo still, then they'd be in pretty good shape. Right now they're trotting out Luke Weaver and his 720 ERA every fifth day. <clears throat> I do think they wish that they had uh, Luis Castillo back, most likely. I mean, the trade was pretty fair. I don't think it was like an unreasonable trade or anything like that. But I think if they could make that swap and, and have him at this point, they'd probably do it. Now, I'm trying to look at the uh, Fangraphs roster resource page for the Reds, and that page is actually down at this point uh, for Fangraphs. They're having some troubles here. All the other pages are working on Fangraphs, except for the one that I want right now, which is the Cincinnati Reds uh, roster depth chart situation. But it's okay. Uh, if Jonathan India does get traded, then you have all kinds of at-bats at second base that will open up. And this will be kind of good news for people who are worried about um, Spencer Steer potentially not having any fantasy value down the line. Because if there is a trade for India, if they trade anybody on this roster, then that's just going to open up more room for a guy like Steer to play every single day. Right now, Steer's kind of filling in whenever somebody else doesn't play. But I think if you do trade India then the game plan from there is probably Matt McClain at second base every day. Then you get Elliott Short. Everything else will remain generally the same. Uh, Matt McClain kind of bounces around between second and short. I think that he would probably be the everyday second baseman at that point. And then you get Ellie Dela Cruz playing short and then maybe some third as well. However, it'll end up working out because however they arrange the lineup every single day doesn't really matter that much at that point. <clears throat> if Jonathan India is traded then we have no more worries about platooning or any kind of playing time worries for anybody that we care about in that Cincinnati lineup. Steer will get his playing time. Friedel, Fraley, McLean, Dela Cruz, Benson, Votto, Strand. These guys are all going to get their playing time. So that's the positive there. Now you have to start thinking about where he might go and what pitchers he might be traded for. Now that was an article I was reading today on the score about the top 20 pitching candidates, our pitching trade candidates, and the guys who are listed there, Otani, Blake Snell, Marcus Stroman, Jordan Montgomery. They also have Eduardo Rodriguez listed, Lucas Giolito. <clears throat> I'm not sure what a proper trade looks like uh, when one of these teams is going to be trading one of their studs. It's, it's interesting because we don't usually see those kind of trades in Major League Baseball, right? You don't usually see, or, you know, you get the Luis Arise, Pablo Lopez kind of trades once in a blue moon where it actually looks pretty good for both teams. They both, you know, acquire, a, you know, they're trading from a position of strength, acquiring someone they, they need. Usually you see a player get traded, especially somebody with India's back record, a couple years removed from being a rookie of the year. He's having a good year this season. Usually you see that guy traded for prospects. And it would be the same thing on the other end with one of these pitchers who are being traded. 
it'd probably be prospects. But I think there is a chance with a Jonathan India trade, if he does potentially get traded, to see one of those kind of one-for-one swaps where you would see, you know, a team like the Reds, who are very deep in the infield, trading from that position of strength, trying to acquire someone that they need. They need a starting pitcher. Again, they probably really wish that they had just kept um, Castillo. Uh, I think they're fine with having given up Molly, seeing the way that that trade has gone. But I think that they're going to try and acquire somebody in that same kind of vein, not somebody who is going to be as good as Luis Castillo, because Luis Castillo is like a top 10 pitcher. Excuse me. But I could really see them going after a Giolito. I think that makes a lot of sense. Blake Snell, although I did hear a report that the Padres are not terribly interested in trading Blake Snell or Josh Hader. They still think they can compete. So they are going to be keeping these guys. I don't know if Blake Snell is going to resign after this year, but I guess it makes sense to kind of push for the playoffs if they can with him. I think that he probably makes sense in that kind of trade. Uh, not that not that they really need an infielder necessarily, but I think that's the kind of guy that Cincinnati's going to go after if they are trading Jonathan India. I could see a one-for-one Jonathan India trade for, you know, maybe Marcus Stroman doesn't make sense, but <clears throat> maybe Jordan Montgomery. Maybe we see it for Giolito. I'd kind of like to see that, honestly. Giolito for Jonathan India. Get it, John- I mean, the White Sox are kind of in a rebuild anyway, so maybe they wouldn't want to do that. <clears throat> want to do that, but Jonathan India is still a fairly young guy where you don't have to be like, okay, uh, you know, he's going to be either too old or too young for us to compete. He's 26 years old, so you're not getting somebody who is going to be, you know, 20 years old, needs five years to come along, and you're not getting somebody who's too old to work into a rebuild timeline either. It kind of fits for both. So that is the kind of trade that I would expect to see with Jonathan India, maybe going to the White Sox, maybe going to Chicago. It's a good position that the Reds are in because Jonathan India is the only guy that they have that is signed. He's the most expensive player in that infield. I can't remember what the money looks like, um, but he signed for the next couple of years. Let me just get that up. Actually, everybody else are going to have to wait longer to pay than India. It's not even that India makes a ton of money or anything, but he is the guy that will be um, going to free agency first out of the group. He's the guy that they're going to have to pay in arbitration. It'll be more. With those younger players, you know, your McLeans, your Strands, your Dela Cruz's, your Steers, you don't have to worry about paying them for a couple of years still. So you trade India, you have a chance to actually sign somebody either, you know, this offseason or acquire somebody on a higher salary. And again, this is kind of just cheap owners, but they're giving themselves a chance to be able to kind of maintain a decent payroll while still being successful. It does make sense uh, to try and trade India, considering the stock is fairly high, considering that he's not somebody that they really need in that infield. When you got Steer, you got McLean, you got Dela Cruz, you got your infield in Strand, you got it all taken care of. As good as a player as India is and projects to be, he's not really a necessary piece there long term. So I think the White Sox make sense. I think if the both teams try and go that route of, you know, not necessarily just aiming for a big pile of prospects, I could see that trade going. Giolito for Jonathan India. We'll check back in in about a week and see what happens, but I think that would make sense for both parties here. But either way, uh, if India gets traded, he's playing full-time wherever he goes. All the Reds who are currently on that lineup that we're kind of worried about, specifically Steer for a lot of people, they're going to be playing every single day as well should a trade go down. So for fantasy purposes, it'll be good news. Now, if Jonathan India does get traded to the White Sox, it's hard to be excited about that necessarily, but you're still going to get top of the order at bats out of him. I don't think it'll be too big of a hindrance on his fantasy value. You wouldn't be dropping him or anything. It wouldn't be as exciting for sure, because the Reds team is just incredibly exciting, 
But I don't think it would be a massive difference. If anything, he's moving up in the order a little bit because right now he's like a five, six hole guy in Cincinnati. Maybe he's like a one or two guy in Chicago. If that were to happen, I'm totally speculating. But I do think that they should get this trade done. I think it does make sense for them. I don't know that they're going to get Lodolo back. You know, the timeline for him is kind of iffy. Hunter Green, uh, I haven't even, let me just take a look. He was thrown off the mound as of about a week ago, but nothing crazy. Maybe somewhere in the middle of August he comes back. Who knows what he gives you once he's back either. Hunter Green is amazing, but, you know, we don't really know what we're going to get, guy coming back off of a long injury. Same thing with Lodolo. I mean, uh, you know, it's been his leg. He had a, I think it was a broken leg or a broken foot that he had. But you don't know what a guy's going to be once he comes back. Lodolo wasn't that great <clears throat> once he was once he was pitching this season either. So I think it's a situation where they definitely need pitching. If they're serious about competing, and it looks like they are this season, at least to some degree, not to push all the chips into the middle. And, you know, I was talking with, with Paul Spore a few weeks ago, like, will they trade Strand and and high-level prospects and try and go after Otani as a rental? <clears throat> Likely not. But I could definitely see them going and getting a guy like a Giolito or a Snell or somebody who's not going to cost as much but still makes them a lot more competitive this season. I could definitely see it. But let's move on and let's talk about something else here, and that's Pierce Johnson. Pierce Johnson was somebody who was kind of an early-season hero a little bit for people who were looking for saves. He got 13 saves, above 30% strikeout rate. There were some signs that maybe he was going to be a dude this year. It kind of fell apart. He lost a job in Colorado as the closer. The ERA is 6. His whip is 185. It got bad. It got real ugly. Now, it's been a bit better as of late, but still not much to write home about. He was not a fantasy asset. Hasn't been for a while. Well, Pierce Johnson got traded to the Atlanta Braves for a couple of minor leaguers, Victor Vodnik and Tanner Gordon. Now, I don't think that there's any need. I don't think there was any need before this trade to be rostering Pierce Johnson. He was on 14% of Yahoo rosters, and I think you can make the argument at this point that those might be some dead leagues. Those might be some dead teams that still have him, that added him earlier in the year, that never dropped him because they stopped paying attention. There might be some people who are still kind of holding out or deeper leagues or keeper leagues thinking, oh, maybe it's a chance he becomes a closer again next season or later on this year or whatever. But if you are still holding him for any reason, just wanted to get it out there in case you missed the news, he's still on 14% of rosters. It's not an insignificant number to the point where it's like 2%, and I could just say, okay, whatever, 2%. 14 is a big enough number where I think it's worth mentioning. we got to see if we see him get dropped over the next day or so, more so than he already was. I really recommend it because there's going to be no fantasy value for Pierce Johnson. There's none. There's nothing there. If Iglesias gets hurt, maybe he's one of the guys they turn to in a committee kind of role. But even then, like I don't see him having any fantasy value in any format at this point. So if you're one of the lucky 14% or unlucky 14% still holding Pierce Johnson, uh, please send him back to the waiver wire if you still are. Let's talk Mike Soroka. He got sent down yesterday. It's been up and down, up and down for Mike Soroka. He's not that good of a pitcher. Uh, you know, we said this earlier on in the season, and I don't like to, to say that kind of thing, especially about a Canadian. I am obsessed with Canadians. I am a Canadian. I love it when a Canadian player does well. Looked like Mike Soroka was going to be on the path to being kind of a star after how he Purdue, uh, performed in 2019, but he's had no health and no success on the mound since he's been back either. Five starts, six appearances this year. He's pitching to a 552 ERA with a 485 XFIP. Not really striking anybody out at 17%, well below league average. And he's walking just a slight touch above league average at 8.4%. Left on base, 78%. Should have had better success there. Babip was at 291, pretty much in line with league average. So it wasn't like he was getting screwed. He was getting unlucky, ball sneaking through or whatever. He just is not very good. And despite the fact that he pitches for an excellent team that is going to win a lot of games, even in spite of him potentially, 
he's not somebody that you can roster, especially now being down in the minor leagues. There will be people who add him again if he gets called back up. But at this point, I think Mike Soroka is just a waste of a roster spot. He's not somebody who's doing anything for you. Of course, while he's in the minor leagues, he's really doing nothing for you. But even while he's in the big leagues, there's no strikeouts. There's no good ratios. He wasn't even winning ball games for you. I mean, he did win two as a starter against Miami, against Milwaukee. But those weren't even great pitching performances. He was able to get through six innings in both of them and just kind of sneak by, and the offense got him through. The one where he won against Miami, they scored 16 runs. So, I mean, it's not like he was earning his stats. It's not like he was somebody who was a great fantasy asset for you this season, one way or the other. Uh, Mike Soroka needs to be sent back to waiver wires if you're still holding on. It was 26% of people were still holding in Yahoo as of yesterday. Now we're down to 19. People are, you know, it's not like all the leagues are dead. People are still making moves, which is good to see uh, with still a couple months left. I would hope so, but you never know sometimes as you go on throughout the year. People are still listening, but people are dropping Mike Soroka down to 19%. Should just continue to go down as close to zero as we can possibly get at this point of the season because Mike Soroka is not somebody who is going to be any kind of fantasy asset anytime soon, unfortunately. Let's talk about a couple of players I wanted to highlight. One for a good reason, one for kind of a little bit of a concerning reason. Let's start with Edward Julian. I love Edward Julian. I think that he is going to be a really solid, good baseball player down the line. I also think that Edward Julian is in over his head this season in terms of his production, and he's not doing stuff that is sustainable that will last throughout the rest of the year. And I think that he is somebody right now that you should be trying to sell high on if you do roster him in your league. So let's go over a couple of numbers here. Starting off with the good. He's batting 307. That's excellent. He's got nine home runs in 52 games. He's got a couple of stolen bases. He's got 27 runs, 16 ribbies. He's walking 11.6% of the time. He's doing a lot of things very well. You know, 388 on base percentage, largely in part to that walk rate. But it's also largely inflated because he has a 432 BABIP. And if you're not somebody who's heard me use the word BABIP before, maybe you're listening to the podcast for one of the first times or whatever. BABIP is batted, uh, <laughs> batting average on balls in play. Yes, listen to me. Fumble over it as I explain it. Uh, batting average on balls in play. So essentially not your batting average in general. If you strike out, that doesn't count towards BABIP. It's the balls that you put into play, how often you are getting on base and getting a base hit out of it. 43% of the time when he puts the ball in play, it's a base hit. Generally, you're looking at about 30 to 32, 33% in that regard. 40, 32 is just not sustainable. Now, he's always been a guy who's run pretty high BABIPs in the minor leagues, 322, 390, 386, throughout various levels of the minors. That's good. It shows that maybe he's not like overperforming by a hell of a lot. Maybe he can still be somebody who carries a fairly high BABIP. And the projections for the rest of the season, BABIP are about 340, 345, generally, depending on where you look. But that's still almost 100 points below what he's currently doing. The batting average projections, rest of season, if you look at Derek Hardy's the bat X, the bat, they're calling for about 252, 253 to go along with five homers and three stolen bases. It's not great. You also have to look at the fact that he strikes out a shit ton, 32.3% of the time. It's a very, very high strikeout rate. So he's either putting the ball in play and getting on base and getting lucky, or he's striking out. Those are the two options here. Like, I mean, either that or walking. Uh, but those are what's happening in most of the at-bats. He's getting lucky on a ball in play or he's striking out. Those things are not sustainable. He is not somebody that you can look at the skills and say, yes, what he's doing right now, he's going to continue to do that at the same pace the rest of the season. Can he still give you some decent roto numbers, head-to-head -head category numbers, points league numbers even, wherever you are? He can. 
you know, batting at the top of a decent enough lineup. He's batting second, but, you know, top, whatever. He's batting second. He's still giving you good numbers. Could he continue to some degree to give you those numbers? Yes, but the power is not going to sustain at this current pace. Five homers in his last 65 at-bats, that's not going to happen. The batting average, it's 467 over the last two weeks, 385 over the last month. That's not going to happen either. So I would say that if you have Edward Julian, the most prudent thing you can do right now is probably add him to another player in a trade offer. And not to say that you should try and trade Edward Julian straight up one for one for a top 50 or 75 player. Those are not offers that are going to be well received. People are going to kind of see that you're going to pull the wool over their eyes and fool them a little bit. Add him together with another piece. You know, you're trying to acquire a pitcher. Add Julian together with another one of your position players and try and aim for one of those pitchers. That is what I would be trying to do. If you can trade him straight up one for one for somebody else who is really, really good, then do it, right? Then I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. I'm saying that the likelihood is you're not going to get those offers accepted. I would be trying to package him up and, you know, whether you need a hitter or a player, a pitcher, whatever it is you need, go for a two for one with Edward Julian. Don't try and, you know, bullshit people and say, Edward Julian, you know, he's batting 300. He's hitting home runs left, right, and center. Can I have Wander Franco, please? Can I have Vladimir Guerrero, please? Can I have Corbin Carroll, please? No, don't be doing that kind of thing. If you're packaging him up with somebody else and going for a reasonable kind of trade, especially if you're trying to buy low on a player who's slumping right now, <clears throat> the old buy low, sell high, I think that that makes a lot of sense right now with Edward Julian. I'm a, like I said with Soroka, if there are guys are Canadian, I'm more likely than not going to be rooting for them. Big fan of Soroka, even big fan of Julian. I think that they're going to be good players, specifically Julian going forward. Soroka is kind of... Eh, I'm not really sure what he's going to be. But Julian, I think, is going to be a, a very good player. Very good skill sets in the minor leagues. The high walk rate, the decent power-speed combo, the fact that he is getting on base constantly. I think he is going to be a good, <clears throat> very good baseball player. I just don't think that the fantasy relevance is going to translate to rest-of-season success for the last couple of months of this year. So if you can trade, if you are in a trading league, then try and get rid of him. Uh, if you're in a league where you can't trade, then there's no dropping him, obviously. He's on a heater. But you just kind of have to ride it out and hope for the best. Once it gets cold for Julian, we've seen it earlier this year. It can be very, very, very cold at times for him. If he does get back to that point of slumping, of not producing, if there's a few games where he goes over, put him on the bench. Put him on the bench. I wouldn't be dropping him in that kind of situation, but he's somebody who can run very hot and very cold. So I would, if you are able to, try and trade him. If you're in those kind of weekly leagues, make sure you're looking at the schedule. Do everything you can to set yourself up for success here with Edward Julian and the Minnesota Twins. But let's talk about one more player before we get going today. And it's the number one player over the last 30 days in fantasy baseball, a guy who has given you a 436 batting average, 22 runs, 22 RBIs, seven homers and two stolen bases during that stretch. We are talking, of course, about Cody Bellinger, who is bordering on top 50 value overall for the season. He's the number one player over the last month. Cody Bellinger. What year is this? Where am I? What year is what, What's going on here? 14 home runs for the season, 44 RBIs, 53 runs scored, 12 stolen bases, and a 319 batting average. He was like being used in those memes before the season, you know, the get ready to learn Chinese, those memes that get used in the NBA uh, when a player is kind of, you know, past their best before date and they're going to be starting to play overseas in the later years. Those are the kind of jokes people are making about Cody Bellinger coming into the season. And he has been every bit as good as you could have possibly hoped for in any in any season. I mean, he's not MVP-level Cody Bellinger anymore, but he's batting 320, over 257 at-bats. It's not a huge sample size, 
but it's a big enough sample size where you can say maybe it was just the scenery that he needed to have changed in Los Angeles. Maybe there was just too much pressure around him there. Now, again, he won a World Series there. He won an MVP there. He won a bunch of accolades. I don't know if the brights were too light. It doesn't seem like they were for several years, but over these last couple of years, it seemed like he lost his way. And maybe it was just a change of scenery that really needed to get him going. But whatever it was, Cody Bellinger is the 51st ranked player this year, according to Yahoo. He is batting more than 100 points higher than he did last season. He's almost already matched his totals in all the major categories in about half the at-bats. Really, really good stuff out of Cody Bellinger. And just as kind of a side note, Christian Yelich has also come back this season in a big way. I didn't mean to get into Christian Yelich, but the two of them are always kind of tied together because of their you know, their breakouts kind of coinciding with each other, 2017, 2018, 2019. Christian Yelich is the 12th ranked player this season. Christian Yelich is a first rounder as of right now. Over the last month, he's the number eight ranked player. Pretty similar numbers to Bellinger, minus, you know, some of the batting average glory. He's batting 350, no, no slouch, not quite 430, but 350 uh, with five homers, five steals, and 43 runs in RBIs combined. He's got 71 runs for the season, 54 ribbies, 14 homers, 21 steals, and he's batting 288. Again, the 12th overall player, Christian Yelich, if you drafted him in the first round this year, you would have gotten a return on that value, a good return on that value. Not to say that anybody would have taken Yelich in anywhere close to that range, but he has kind of returned to form, and it's kind of cool to see that coinciding with Cody Bellinger doing it as well because they're guys that will always be linked in their careers. They were fighting for MVPs uh, for a couple seasons there, 18 and 19, 17 and 18 maybe. Uh, it's kind of fuzzy in my head. They each won one MVP, and then they think they were competing for you know second place against the other one in a couple other years. But lots of fun to see them kind of get back to where they were, especially Bellinger. It's great to see. Because even Yelich, I mean, last season, he had some fantasy relevance. And I guess Bellinger did to a lower extent, too. But to see Bellinger come back the way he has has really been kind of cool. Anyway, I'm going to leave you guys there. I uh, really appreciate everybody coming in and hanging out for the show today. Hope you guys have a great week. Now, you guys can check me out over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Also, go to Ethos Fantasy BB, E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. We post all of our new podcasts, including this one, It's Gone with Britton Allen, and a soon-to-be-launched Dynasty Baseball podcast. We're going to have more details over the next couple of weeks, but there's a lot going on at Sports Ethos. You follow Ethos Fantasy BB, and you get all of our latest baseball news. Also, like I said earlier, if you're not using Twitter or X or whatever the hell they're calling it these days, go to sportsethos.com, and you get all that same great content over there under the MLB tab and beyond if you want to get football, basketball, hockey. Everything we got going on is right there at sportsethos.com. But, guys, tomorrow is Tuesday. You know what that means. We'll be back to another mailbag show. Get that tweet sent out sometime in the middle of the day. But until then, hope you have a great night. Hope you enjoy some baseball. And we'll see you again tomorrow, guys. Until then, cheers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.